You're listening to the Theology for the Church podcast with Dr. Caleb Leonard, a resource for the church that aims to help Christians explore how Christian doctrine, framed by the biblical story, is to be applied to the Christian life in the context of the local church. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Theology for the Church podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Jonathan Pennington, Professor of New Testament Interpretation at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and Pastor of Spiritual Formation at Sojourn East Church in Louisville, Kentucky. He's the author of several books, including uh, Reading the Gospels Wisely, The Sermon on the Mount and Human Flourishing, and Jesus the Great Philosopher. Our topic of discussion today is his new book, Come and See the Journey of Knowing God Through Scripture. Dr. Pennington, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me for this conversation. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks so much. Uh, Before we jump into specific uh, questions about your book, since you haven't been on the show before. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about yourself for our listeners? Uh, Where did you get, how did you get where you're at today? Mm -hmm. Maybe family, educational background, ministry involvement, those type of things. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a good Midwestern boy from Illinois and uh, went to undergraduate and then Trinity Evangelical Divinity School up in the Chicago area and uh, became a Christian through Campus Crusade for Christ as a freshman at a at the State University at, at a Northern Illinois University, and uh, then was uh, married an Iowa girl, married a girl from Des Moines area, and uh, who was also there at NIU, and we've uh, we lived in Northern Illinois, then I was a pastor in the Evangelical Free Church for five years, and then we moved to Scotland and did a PhD over there uh, in New Testament um, and finished that up about 18 years ago. And since then, we've been in Louisville, where I, again, teach New Testament. And I've been in pastoral ministry off and on um, all these years. But the last few years, um, I kind of stepped more back into a larger pastoral role at my own church. I preach about a third of the time or so, and we're involved in a lot of leadership, run the men's ministry, and uh, work with the women's ministry director a lot. And so, yeah, so it's a joy. I love to live in this space, this Venn diagramming overlapping space between sure. the academy <laughs> and the church. It's a real joy for me. So, yeah. Well, I think it's also, it's really helpful for, you know, pastors like me to not feel disconnected. Um, you know, from, because you have a foot in, in kind of both yeah. worlds. Right. And so I think that's really helpful, especially for, um, application purposes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe to start us off on, on our topic here, well, why did you write this book? Who's it for? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and why the title come and see, I mean, I think there's something, uh, simple, but also theologically mm-hmm. significant, right. Underneath the title. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There is. I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah. Uh, so the, the title, the language comes from, I, I quote a bunch of texts at the beginning um, from the Old and New Testaments, where there's a regular invitation from God to come and see, to come and see his goodness, to come and see and taste his goodness. Um, but most particularly, it comes from, you know, I teach the Gospels a lot. And in the first chapter of John, the Gospel of John, I was struck by how this is what everybody keeps saying to each other, including Jesus saying it to people like this, you know. Yeah. Come and see. He invites people, Nathaniel, you know, other people are inviting each other, come and see what is done. And that is tapping into this language from the Old Testament. So it is coming from this idea that 
um, Jesus is inviting people uh, to come and see. And the order of that is uh, interesting because we, if we were kind of thinking about it, we might say, well, you see what is true and then you come, you follow Jesus as a result of that. But it's very interesting to see that that is not the order exactly. I mean, that's true in one sense, but that we're invited to follow. We're invited to to pay attention, to start listening to Jesus. And in the doing of that, then we come to understand him clearly. It's not, you know, it's, you know, it's complex. It's both, but it's not just this simple thing that like we understand everything about Jesus and therefore we become disciples. The reality is we follow, we attend, we pay attention to, we read the gospels, we read the Bible. And as we do, we come to see more clearly. And so that's the metaphor really for, and that's the other reason I use this. It's really the image or the metaphor for the whole book, which I, you know, frame as, Knowing God through Holy Scripture is a journey. It's a it's a lifelong journey that we're being invited invited on. So that's kind of the idea behind the title. No, I think that's I think that's really really helpful. And, and just thinking as you you describe that, you know, both of us are pastors and can also attest to the very real problem of mm. uh, biblical illiteracy, right? That, mm. uh, but we have this invitation to come and see. But why why is it the case then? that Christians seem to avoid the Bible, right? Even those that are in local churches, what, what keeps them from heeding this invitation and from engaging with the scriptures? Yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that too. I, I, you know, I'm so deep in the teaching world that I spend most of my time, well, a lot of my time with pastors and training, but then a lot of time with, you know, regular people too. And, Probably, I wonder if one of the big reasons is that people feel intimidated when they read the Bible. I don't know. Probably everybody, not everybody does, but I bet a lot of people yeah. feel like when they open it, they it feels really kind of overwhelming and and maybe confusing. And then, you know, it's hard for all of us to do things we're not good at. You know, mm-hmm. none of us stick with things that don't come easily to us for the most part. Yeah. And so... You know, if you open the Bible, it feels really foreign. It feels really complicated. You also feel Mm -hmm. like, I don't want to get this wrong. Well, I'll just let the pastor tell me what to think, you know? Yeah. And and so that's a natural response, but it's not a good one. I think it's it's Mm -hmm. an understandable one, but it's not going to result in the kind of life that the Bible can give us. And I think this book, you know, it's one of the many, many books that is trying to help people to not be intimidated by the Bible and to recognize that we can all grow in some skills in learning it. Um, we don't all have to become pastors or teachers. Yeah. Most people shouldn't be, but we can all grow in in our ability to see God more clearly through the Bible. Hmm. No, I think, I think that's definitely, definitely true. And I think some other obstacles are probably screen time, mm-hmm. you know, social media. I think probably for uh, those with young families, just learning how to fit it in with new rhythms of kids that don't sleep or may have sleep problems or um, what what's it look like when you're faithful in devotion, but at times it doesn't seem like you're getting much out of it, mm-hmm. or maybe you're in an intense season of suffering and, and it's painful uh, to read mm-hmm. some of the, the things that you're reading because right. you don't feel like it's your experience, right? Mm-hmm. Or it doesn't uh, seem to be true, no matter how much you know this is the word of the living God and it's true and it's right and it's authoritative and it's trustworthy. And, uh, but sometimes I think that can also, the, those things can also keep us from 
studying and engaging scripture to really heeding that invitation to come and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, um, you mentioned it earlier, you used the, the metaphor of, of a journey in your book. Mm-hmm. And on this journey, you teach your readers how to study the scriptures via these three friends on a road trip, right? Mm-hmm. Um, would you explain what, what you're trying to capture, you know, with, with this metaphor just a little bit more? Um, who are these friends? What's their role on the journey? So we'll, we'll drill down a, a little bit more into each of the friends, but just from, you know, like a, a high level, maybe like a 90 second shot at sure, what, sure. what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea of a journey, you know, that metaphor, that image is common throughout the Bible and, and really throughout religions and throughout so many things in our lives. So it's not, you know, that's not a unique contribution. And in fact, I kind of avoided it for a long time in earlier versions of this book thinking <laughs> sure. like, ah, it's kind of too, it's like tired, you know, it's, but, but the more I kept thinking about it, I, I really came to believe it, it is such a powerful metaphor and still can be utilized in a helpful way. And I, I try to add my own little kind of twist of lime to it. Yeah. And that is that, yes, our life is a journey. It's a great way to think about it. Our, 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 our life of getting to know God is a long, lifelong journey. But what I've added to it is the idea of a road trip. And on this road trip, you have you know, three friends who love each other, but they're very different and they have a bond, but they also kind of see the world a little differently. And that's what, that's part of what makes their friendship so great. And they decide to go on this really long trip. It's a, it's a cross country trip. So, you know, not one person can drive the whole time. They've got Mm -hmm. to take turns driving and the best destinations, you know, are probably far away often. Yeah. And so, and so when, each of them are taking a turn driving. The you know the rule of the car is that whoever's driving gets to sort of control the radio or the podcasts or whatever you're listening to, mm-hmm. and so each of them then represent these friends uh, represent different modes or different like modes of reading the Bible or different questions we ask when we read the Bible um, and that again are all beneficial but they're different. And so I just kind of use the three different friends that I can body a different uh, mindset or a different uh, yeah. approach to reading the Bible with the point of it being together that they all are needed. Like they, 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 you cannot get there with only one of them. You need all three of them. Yeah. And I, I thought that was really, really helpful. And especially towards uh, not to jump like to the end, but I'm going to for a minute, mm-hmm. uh, especially near the end where it's like there, there are these, these three different modes, these three different friends, they're all essential, but also how they feed into one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so the, the, obviously because we're finite humans, you know, we got to put things in categories mm-hmm. and it's really helpful to kind of systematize things, but to also see the beauty of, you know, transformational reading is that, well, the reason it's transformational is because you've learned something and there's a, a something theological about it, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, tell us a little bit more about this first friend, uh, informational Ingrid. What, what types of things does she teach us? What, what does the Bible look like through her eyes? Yeah. So I gave them names, you know, the friends and, and their names, people have asked me what the significance of them. And I'm like, I don't know exactly, except for the last one. Taylor, yeah. Taylor, Taylor is my little homage to Taylor Swift since I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. <laughs> but besides that, uh, Ingrid, I don't know if it was kind of like that name and it starts with an I. And yeah. so she represents an informational kind of reading. And, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, this it's been interesting as I've talked with a lot of people all over the country about this book. There a lot of different interviews and things. It's interesting how one of the questions that comes up many times is like, which of these readings do you find to be the most common in the church or whatever? And it, I found it kind of varies a little bit, Mm. 
this kind of reading, this informational reading is a lot of what you learn in seminary, but it doesn't have to be only there. A lot of churches mm-hmm. do a good job of this. And so what does that mean? It means like um, understanding like historical backgrounds of the text, you know, and uh, maybe also understanding like how different genres of scripture, which is a fancy word for, to just mean like different types of literature that we recognize that you read a poem a little differently than you read a story, which is a little differently than you read like mm-hmm. a letter. And a little different than you read like case law in the Old Testament. You know, it says in this situation, do this. And it's just recognizing that those kind of those are skills that we can uh, learn. There's information that we can learn that helps us be more informed and therefore better readers. Because, you know, when we're reading the Bible, we're trying to hear what God is saying. I mean, it's like it's not just that we're just going to it to you know, feel better about ourselves or just find, mm-hmm. make it mean what we want it to mean. And so we recognize the otherness of the Bible, that it's a, it has a voice, God's voice that is speaking to us. And so, and we also recognize that we're 2000, 3000 years separated from mm-hmm. the original writings in different languages and different cultures. And so Ingrid helps us just learn some of these skills and learn some of this information about how ancient literature works and what it was like in the ancient world and whatever. And that can sound intimidating. Um, but again, it's not like you don't have to be an expert. There's just some skills you can learn. And, and I give you some resources of places, things you could look up, the kind of things you find in commentaries and Bible dictionaries. And so that's what Ingrid really provides for us, this kind of informational reading. Yeah, it's kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit of it's kind of like the driver's ed of of Bible reading a little bit, right? Where right, there's right. kind of these uh, well-established general rules and principles that everybody's got to learn uh, to read the Bible well, right? Now there's a lot better drivers and right. a lot worse drivers than others, right? And it's different driving in a metropolitan area yeah. than in the countryside. Right, uh, right. But, That's great. Uh, I had not used driver's ed. I should have. That's so great because it fits in with the whole journey, right? So, yeah. yeah that's there awesome. you go. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, hey, tell us about the, the second traveler here, theological Tom, right? What, yeah. what types of things does he teach us? How does the Bible look through his eyes? Yeah. So, yeah, Tom... Um, and again, I don't know if this is going to be more familiar to listeners or not. I, I think it's probably mixed. But Tom really emphasizes that when we read the Bible, we are not just reading individual books. Um, we're, and we're not reading just human books. We're reading a book that's been written by God. And it's really a library of books that's been mm-hmm. written by God that also comes to us in a tradition of Christians who have wrestled with what the Bible says and have created um, documents that like confessions of faith Mm -hmm. um, or creeds or the older word for it that guide our reading. They don't replace the Bible, but they do help us understand it. Um, Maybe the most familiar for many of us would be like a church's doctrinal statement. You know, Mm -hmm. any, I, it's hard to imagine a church not having a doctrinal statement. I think every church, even more lower church traditions like the Baptist world that I'm in, uh, is everybody has a doctrinal statement. Why? Not because we are not believing the Bible anymore. It's because you can read the Bible wrongly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you could you could read the Bible and not yeah. understand correctly. And also, not just that, but it's also like. Um, you know, there are some really complicated things to put together and we need help from others. So like yeah. the Trinity, 
the word Trinity never appears in the Bible, but it's crucial to Christianity from yeah. all the earliest creeds, all the way through all of our doctrinal statements. And, you know, I, I, I can't figure all that on my own. I need the, we're standing on the shoulders of giants of people for hundreds of years called and gifted theologians who have wrestled with what does it mean for God to be one, but also in three persons. And then like spinning off on that, what does it mean for Christ to be both God and human? Mm -hmm. And how do those parts work together in himself, right? Those yeah. are the kind of questions that come from the Bible and the answers come from the Bible, but you can't just turn to a Bible verse and find the answer to that. So what theology is, there's different kinds of theology within that we can get from the Bible, biblical and systematic and dogmatic or whatever. But theology is just the, the wise, godly people creating formulas or ways of describing what the Bible actually teaches. And so Tom hmm. is saying, hey, you know, we need help and we need these creeds and systematic theology and biblical theology to help us be better readers. And that's OK. You know, that that's really OK. God has given teachers to the church currently and a lot of dead ones that go yeah. way back for 2000 <laughs> years that have helped us have good guides uh, to read the Bible well. And so that's what Tom provides to our to our road trip. Yeah, no, it's super helpful. And I actually want to I'm going to read my. Yeah, it is my favorite line from the book. Okay, or a couple of sentences here because it's in it's right. it's actually the very like last couple of pages there of in the uh, theological reading with Tom, and it's on page ninety two and ninety three. You say this, uh, Tom will remind us that we are not Lone Ranger Christians left to our own limited wisdom, free to say whatever we want about God's word. Instead, the church that has existed before us and that will still be here after we die, has articulated important creedal affirmations that shape, guide, and protect our readings by hemming them within orthodoxy. Ooh, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't have told you I wrote that, but I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love that. And, I, and for me, you, know, you were talking about you know, speaking with, with people all over the country in different places, you know, and uh, about this book. And, and I would say at least in, you know, my, my experience, this is, you know, probably the reading or the, the, the lens, the mode that is either underdeveloped mm -hmm. or people are most confused about mm -hmm. exactly, yeah. you know, cool. how does my theology uh, go together with my hermeneutics me me interpreting studying the bible and how do those two things work out and what type of weight do i give to confessions and creeds versus my own mm -hmm. you know personal interpretation or the authoritative uh, teaching right. ministry of the church and pastors and elders and, and those type of things so i thought this this section was super helpful and well, i'm so glad being a guide in in some of those mm -hmm. areas so yeah that it is it's always been a struggle for the church to figure out how to put those things together Probably in our tradition, you know, the Protestant tradition, it's particularly difficult because we really find as a key value that we um, that the Bible, you know, stands over against us, and we're not. It's not just human traditions, but unfortunately, the way that kind of gets worked out a lot of times is uh, uh, that the Bible is put in competition with traditions, you know, and 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 that's just not how it has to be. They traditions help us read the Bible well. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, so we're at our third traveler now, sure. right? Tell us more about Transformational Taylor. What types of things does she teach us? How does the Bible look through her eyes? 
Yeah. So she, you know, she gets behind the wheel and she says, I love you, Ingrid. I love you, Tom. Glad we're friends. But all this stuff about the Bible, both historically and literarily and theologically is great. But if you don't bring it down to like real practical life and like being transformed, then you've really not read the Bible well. And so she's the Mm -hmm. third part of the journey that we really need. And one of the things I think I mentioned this in the book, and I know I talk about it a lot of places is, you know, second Timothy three, 16 and 17, pretty famous verses for us that, that we go to, you know, all scriptures, God breathed and Mm -hmm. et cetera. We, we go to that verse a lot to talk about the authority of the Bible, the infallibility or inerrancy, trustworthy, whatever word you want to use. And that's great. But we often forget or don't realize that that affirmation that all scriptures, God breathed is only the beginning and it has an end. It has a purpose. And that's what Mm -hmm. Taylor really emphasizes that it's profitable for teaching, reproving, correcting. And I think we could kind of sum it up, training in righteousness. So in other words, the the strong and high view that we have of the Bible is not an in and of itself. It's the basis of why the Bible has been given to us, which is that we might learn to inhabit the world in the ways of God, that we might be conformed more into the image of Christ, that we might grow in Christ-likeness, that we might become more godly or more whole, fulfill what it means to be fully human as jesus himself shows us mm-hmm. in god so whatever metaphors we want to use those are all ones yeah that are from the bible and so taylor really emphasizes this and so she talks about um what the goal of reading the bible is is transformation she talks about what role the holy spirit plays in reading the bible something maybe we don't think enough about not only in inspiring the bible but in guiding us as we read it um and she you know just guides us to keep focusing on the heart because that's really where um where god wants to meet us and so the point of it all together then of course is that any if any of them are not present in our reading we're probably not gonna be very successful in the journey and you don't have to be an expert Mm. in any of them but it's that together they lock arms or they take turns uh getting us to where we need to go um and as we if we you know cut out any of those which is each of us has a tendency that we are probably going to cut out one or two Mm -hmm. of those then we won't be able to complete the journey and that's the idea yeah now you mentioned something that i that i wanted to ask you about also so we're using this you know multifaceted approach you know it ensures the reader uh, of scripture studies you know to to know to believe to to live what the scriptures teach right but could you speak a little bit more to what role does the holy spirit play in the interpretive process right because you talk about that in um the transformational you know chapter with with taylor could you just speak a little bit more to that what what role does the holy spirit play in our interpretive process. Yeah. So again, we, we rightly talk about the Holy Spirit's role in the inspiration of the creation of scripture, inspiring the human authors to write, but that's, it's not just a past act. It's a current role. And the word we use for it, the theological word we use for it usually is illumination. And the idea is that we need, um, God to reveal himself, to open our eyes, not just initially, um, in our conversion, but continually because we have a you know we're sinful and we're limited and so we're, let's start with the limited we're limited in our knowing and understanding just by being human not even just being sinful it's just we're not omnipresent yeah. we're not omnicompetent we're not omniscient 
But then we also, there's this real thing that we call the noetic effects of sin, meaning that sin doesn't just make our bodies die. Sin doesn't just like mess up our relationships. It actually makes us not see clearly often, you know, in self-deception and mm-hmm. pride. Um, and the Holy Spirit, a big part of the Holy Spirit's work, according to the Bible, is, again, making us new and, and uh, granting us the gifts of the Spirit of love and joy and humility, you know, peace and patience, kindness, all these self-control, faith. And this is, to understand the Bible, is a spiritual work. That's the point, is mm-hmm. that it is a, a work of God to enable us to not only perceive, but then to grasp onto and to love and to be transformed by uh, the spirit. And so it really comes down to as practically as like how important it is that we just get on our knees um, either literally or at least in our hearts and mm-hmm. ask God to enable us to understand and to enable us to apply. Cause you know, if you can understand something and still not step towards it, you know, there's still a, still a lack there. You know, one of the questions I can't remember if I talk about this in the book or not, but I remember when I was in seminary a long time ago, it first dawning on me that I was, you know, I would read a lot of really interesting books and commentaries by people that weren't even believers, like really mm. helpful, whether mm-hmm. it's a Jewish scholar, so they're not a Christian believer, was a Jewish or just somebody maybe that used to believe it doesn't anymore, sure. or just is like very liberally or whatever, doesn't believe in the Bible or doesn't believe in Jesus is real or something. It's, it was, I was always kind of troubled by the fact that sometimes those people have really insightful things to say about the Bible, you <laughs> yeah. know, literarily yeah. or historically or whatever. And it, and I, you know, I don't feel like we get the final solution to that, but it's helped me to kind of recognize that there's two different kinds of knowing, right? There's a knowing that is just mm-hmm. our minds and, and non-believers and believers can get better at that. You can be skilled mm-hmm. at like learning how to interpret a, the literary poetic structure of a Psalm or understanding the historical background of the sixth century BC or whatever. And that can be really helpful, but there's another kind of knowing that is the deepest kind of knowing. And that's what the Holy spirit is, you know, must be present for. And that's to really perceive God as true and for me and mm-hmm. to enable my heart to love him and then love others and to grasp what he's saying. So I think we need kind of a category of knowing that's different in that second is where the spirit's absolutely necessary. Hmm. No, that's really, that's really helpful. Thanks for sharing that, that with us. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have a lot of parents with young kids um, at, at my own church and a lot of people that, that listen to this. I know they have uh, young ones at home and, various ages and they're crazy busy. Maybe they can carve out, you know, 15, 20 minutes a day. Maybe it's just a few times a week, you know, kind of outside of, you know, gathered worship or classes or maybe some small group studies and and things they might be involved in. What would be some advice for how they might implement the skills and, and tools from come and see in their personal Bible reading and, you know, kind of a sustainable and, and fruitful way. What would you say to them? Mm. That's a really good question. I, I care for that, and that's a very real situation. Having had six kids, I, oh, I forgot to mention that before. Right? <laughs> I mentioned it because, it's because our last one is about to graduate from high school, so we're like, we're done now. Yeah. <laughs> no, so uh, we're still very involved in all of our kids' lives. But um, yeah, so I really appreciate the busyness of that time. You know, I think if nothing else, just to know that God uh, is happy uh, to bless. I mean, He's not reluctant and 
you know, arms crossed thinking like, well, until you get your skills down or until you do better, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's happy to yeah. bless us and be near to us. And so I think as simple as just opening a psalm or a proverb and just if all one has is 10 minutes even to just open a psalm or any part of the Bible and just read it and say, God, help me. I need to see you. You know, that's enough. Um, mm-hmm. And But as we develop those habits and as we have more opportunities and have, as we have more need and hunger for that, I think um, I in, in all throughout the book, I give little kind of try your hand at the wheel mm-hmm. kind of moments yeah. where I just say, well, just, you know, read this and, and ask this set of questions or, re- you know, read this psalm or read this story and, and just pay attention to this and see what you see. So I think, you know, you can start small. Um, I have another book called Small Preaching that is all about this idea for preachers. Like, what are you don't have to change the world overnight, and you don't have to change yourself overnight. Um, the most growth comes through what we call technically incrementalism. That mm-hmm. is, the idea is that it's really just small steps in one particular direction. And then doing them habitually is how we become different people. It's rarely big changes in our lives. It's usually small steps of habituation. And so I would say, don't sweat it for anybody who doesn't feel like they have much time. Just make small steps towards just habits of opening the Bible and habits of praying. And then over time, habits of developing some more particular skills and knowledge. You can do it. God's for you. Yeah, no, thank you for for that encouragement. And I love those examples in in the book. You know, I had mentioned before we started recording, you know, that in my own church, we're going to be using uh, this book in a uh, how to study the Bible hermeneutics class um, this coming uh, fall at at the time of, you know, this recording in in 2023. And so we we have that one. We have your book, right? Come and see. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Uh, but what are maybe three to five of your favorite resources mm-hmm. to recommend to someone wanting to learn more about how to study the Bible? So they're not the mom with 15 to 20 minutes, right? Maybe maybe they're the guy that's got like an hour a week, you know, to, to read or, or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple more intro or beginner works and then maybe a couple more intermediate works for the more seasoned readers out there that are looking to sink their teeth into something. I think God likes to play jokes on me because I get asked like resource recommendation questions all the time. Yeah. Every aspect of life. And I blank, like I can never think of anything. It's like, I've got this like block here. Like when people ask me something, so I'm the, like the worst yeah. at this. I'm so bad at answering this question. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I think, I mentioned some things throughout the book, but, you know, for the kind of next level, I, a good survey of the New Testament or survey of the Old Testament can be good. And what a survey is, is where you have a book where you have like a chapter on each book, like, so like a survey of the New Testament, and it'll have like mm-hmm. just a short chapter on Matthew, and you can kind of get an overview of what that book's about and whatever I'm not telling you this as a sales pitch just because I happen to have one, but I do happen to have one. I just, let me grab this. Yeah. I mean, this is just an example because it's right there. Here's the one that I, a friend of mine, Con Campbell, did reading the New Testament as Christian scripture. And so this one's particularly, it's got like amazing pictures and stuff in it. It's yeah. Really nice. There's lots of these out there. And the idea is that, again, like you can just go to it and, you know, get a 
helpful overview by somebody who knows what they're talking about and has been a long time doing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that can be good. Um, I mean, I, you know, commentaries, there's a million commentaries in every biblical book and they are at all kinds of levels. Some are real devotional, some are like super mm-hmm. technical. Um, but, you know, there's like, uh, you can go to like bestcommentaries.com and there's some other places like that where they'll like, you could go by book. Like I want to study the gospel of John. And then you can, I just was, I just did this yesterday. Mm-hmm. So somebody was asking me a resource question. Yeah, like, what yeah. are the best commentaries of John? So I, I mean, I have my ideas, but I couldn't generate them out until I saw mm-hmm. the titles and, you know, you can go and just kind of see and, and, but again, to recognize commentaries, some are real technical, some are real mm-hmm. devotional and there's everything in between a good commentary on a book is great. Um, and then finally I'd say, you know, we, like I run the men's ministry, my church, among other things. And we do these in the women's minister and I work their director and I work together. And so we do men's and women's Bible studies together. And there are some, they're not all good, but there are some good mm-hmm. Bible study books out there. Like my uh, good friend, Jen Wilkin, we just did her um, first Peter study mm-hmm. uh, for our men's and women's ministries. And it's got, you know, it's like good questions throughout some comments, observations, and of course, it's best to say the Bible in a group. I mean, that's the reality yeah. to the, to study on your own and then to have people to dialogue with you about it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where some good Bible study books can be really helpful. That is guides to kind of guide you through reading a particular book of the Bible. So I yeah, I don't know. Feel free in the show notes to add the better answers <laughs> sure. than what I just gave you. So, I'm gonna, sure, I'm sure. So bad. I'm so bad at this. Oh, so. no, that's awesome. Well, Dr. Pennington, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for, for joining me for this conversation. And thank you so much for writing this book. It's super helpful. I'm excited to dive into it a little bit with people at, at my church this fall. So thank you. So glad. Thanks so much. Listeners, if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show. If you haven't already, share it with your friends and give it a good review, whether written or just clicking some stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps others find this show that may be interested in gospel-centered resources like this one. Also, if you have an idea for an episode or someone you'd like for me to interview, please reach out to me and let me know. Thank you, and until next time.